Welcome to On The Verge. This podcast will highlight interviews from entrepreneurs, musicians, and professional golfers. It will center around what tools they have used to help them reach their dreams, how they use golf to further their career, whether it be for escape from the rigors of their profession or to build more business, and how the communitas of wine, music, and golf enrich their lives. This is all about the enjoyment of life, rising above the struggles, and stretching past the best to be better every day. On The Verge. On The Verge is presented by Cure, cannabis used for research and education. The medical industry is steadfastly looking to help millions of patients that suffer from injuries related to repetitive motion, sports, trauma, and many other orthopedic injuries, as well as skin disorders, mental disorders, cancer, and osteoporosis, to name only a few of the other underlying conditions that billions suffer from each day. On average in this country, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. With the cost of pharmaceutical medicines increasing, patients deserve natural alternatives that are not only more cost-effective, but also safer for them and society. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing a therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website at www.curemich.com. Cure, cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is also brought to you by Green Scene. Green Scene is a family-owned company recognized as the Sizzle Award winner for outdoor living in Williamson County. We design and construct areas to blend with the natural landscape of your yard. That can include outdoor spaces, gazebos, fire pits, outdoor kitchens, and yes, putting greens. We understand the importance of your home. That's why we never settle for anything but the best. Green Scene also provides multiple teams with professional landscape maintenance, irrigation, and outdoor lighting. Welcome to On The Verge, today's special guest. It's been a while since I've delved into the NFL world, but today we're going to be dealing with Cincinnati Bengals tight end CJ Uzoma. CJ, how are you today, sir? Doing great. Doing really well. I have have a couple of interesting pieces that I think a lot of people are interested in. How did you have the confidence to come into the the post-college team workouts for the NFL when you didn't, you were mostly a blocking tight end, but you ended up being one of the top ten tight ends drafted. But when you aren't blessed with the numbers of receptions and yards and touchdowns, but you still had the inner belief that you could play in the NFL, where did that come from? And was there a big chip on your shoulder to prove people that even though Auburn did not pass the ball as much as other schools did, that you were equipped for the big game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sitting on draft day and, and not really knowing what the future held um, with my parents, and we were just hanging out, and I started seeing other tight ends get drafted. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know anything about them, and um, kind of looked them up, and I was like, man, I, I really feel like I'm 
better i mean equal to if not better than this guy why is he getting drafted and obviously like you said it's you know the opportunities um you, you can do what you do with what you're given and, and the opportunities that are presented with you and um when the Bengals decided to take a chance and draft me um i knew that you know they drafted me for a reason and i knew that i was capable of doing anything that the the titans that were drafted me ahead of me were, were able to do and um just knowing that and kind of seeing them being around them being around the the teammates that that i had at the time um from day one i was like i'm i'm more than capable of doing everything that that you all are doing if not if not more so um yeah it was just kind of like a i, I looked myself in the mirror and i knew that you know if i'd you know gotten an opportunity to get my foot in the door then i was going to make the most of it because it's something that i've been doing since i was seven years old yeah um and and i have that belief in myself i have a great support system with my friends and family and you know they back me every second every second every step of the way so um i don't know it's it's something that you just have to you have to look yourself in the mirror and and know i i'm i'm here for a reason and if i'm if i'm here i will not you know squander this opportunity yeah that's really important because there are so many people that almost limit themselves with their beliefs, maybe because of other people's beliefs. Right. And when I saw your story, I'm like, oh, man, how impressive is this? That literally 25% of your catches were touchdown passes, but you just didn't have that many opportunities. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, how many times do I deal with people in different other professions that have what it takes, but because their perceived resume doesn't look the part it makes you fall down the order a little bit. And that would make me, if I was in that situation, it would definitely make me want to prove something. But you don't have to prove anything to anybody but yourself. And I guess that's the ultimate trick is how to self-motivate yourself in a situation where you know you have the talent and you just have to let others see it instead of force it down their throat. Right, and I think, you know, especially, it's easy for me to put this in like a football context, but... You know, even even now, um, when I'm looking at other tight ends around the league or some, you know, like, oh, nice. Like, we're all really good friends. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm like, oh, wow, so-and-so had a great game or so-and-so had a great year. And they had so many touchdowns, so many catches, so many yards. And I look and I'm like, well, they also had 102, you know, opportunities to catch the ball. They had this many routes they ran and all this other stuff. So it's, you have to, you have to, again, like you said, you have to assess you uh -huh. the, the the opportunities that you were given what you're doing in practice are you showing the coaches that you know even though we're running a certain offense are you showing them that all right if if we're doing one-on-ones or if we're in a team setting or if we're after practice catching passes or doing certain things that they're like oh wow okay nice now we can throw him the ball or we can run this player we should put so-and-so in this position to make this play because we saw it in practice now we have the confidence in them so uh -huh. it's things like that too where i'm like i I understand that, you know, I'm, I, when the opportunity presents itself from the coaches that, that I have to, to make, you know, make do, but it's also, okay, well, how do I put myself in a position for them to see that? How do I, in practice, make sure that their, you know, eyes are on me for a certain play that I'm like, oh, wow, this would be, this would be more suited for me than our small, you know, sure. five foot 11 receiver who's shiftier, but you know, in the red zone, like you can throw me the ball in that, in that sure. situation. So it's things like that too where it's like you can only it's it's you can't dwell on something if you're not given the opportunity you're like okay well how do i make up for it how do i do something the next week or the next day or the next play to to you know kind of give not only myself the confidence but the coaches the confidence in me got it 
Everybody wants to know the difference. When I sit down and have the opportunity to talk with people on ESPN, because I've had the opportunity to work with Tim Hasselbeck on the, in the show, and we talk about the difference between the elite college football programs, SEC predominantly. Obviously, there are a couple of Big Tens, but I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, it's SEC or bust right. when it comes to college football. And if we put together, like, obviously the big games, the Iron Bowl, Alabama-Auburn, okay? How much different is the game speed and the players between the biggest game in college football and an everyday game in the NFL? Yeah, it's, uh, it is it is very different. Is it really? It is. Um, I think the, the physical aspect maybe might not be as different. You know, I think you, you, you play against – you play against Alabama, probably what eighteen of them are going in in the draft. Yeah. Um, so so in terms of that, you know, you're you're playing against unbelievable athletes, but mentally, it is it is an entire like it's it's just a different story. It's a different beast in of itself. It's like you prepared for for an English exam, and all of a sudden it's German that you're looking at on paper because when when you're in college, you're going to class you're trying to get a degree you, you have so much time that the ncaa allows you and same with the nfl obviously but you wake up i wake up and i am i'm in meetings for majority of the day we you know we're on the field for two and a half hours but i'm there for 13 14 hours a day just wow. in the building so 10 of those hours 12 of those hours is going to just watching film just trying to figure out what the defense is going to do just trying to figure out our checks just trying to figure out if we check or if we do a motion the defense is going to motion with us and that could just change their coverage altogether so it's just it is a complete chess game of knowing and understanding each opponent each defense each defensive coordinator each player because each player plays differently and in college you kind of you understand certain aspects of that for sure but Mm -hmm. not to this degree not to the degree of Oh wow! This is this is so much more than I thought it was growing up. This is it's still a obviously it's a kid's game. I've played it since I was seven, but it is a grown man's game in, in terms of mentally just having to know exactly what's going to happen before it happens. That's the key, is it not? Yeah. It's like I was listening to I was playing in a golf tournament with former Broncos quarterback Todd Brandstatter, right. and he's like, "It's so frustrating to me because I can make better throws." And he played with Peyton Manning, right. right? So Manning's on the downside of his career. But he says, I could throw the ball farther, faster, and I threw it at the ex- like what felt like the exact same time. But Manning's ball was always perfectly delivered at the exact time, and mine seemed to be a millisecond late or a millisecond early. And it's the, the timing of everything and I just didn't know what I wasn't doing, but it just was so obvious that even though I could throw it better and more with more speed, that I'm, I was not able to perceive the exact right time to release the ball, and it made all the difference in the world, and it seemed like a half a second. Yeah. And it, like I would make a difference, I would imagine at the NFL level, a half a second's a big deal. Oh, it's huge. I'm, I mean, even... It's, it's, it's funny. I mean, kind of my, my coach... His first thing, he doesn't. The one thing he will, he doesn't yell. My my position coach does not yell or anything. But the one thing he will ride you on is if you are late off the snap. Once the ball snapped, if you, even if you're, not even half a second late off the ball, you're beat. If you're blocking and you're trying to cut off someone, you are immediately beat because 
the other guy, he's he's jumping the snap. He knows, you know, he's anticipating the only the real advantage that I have is I know the play and I know the snap count. So if I don't use those two things to my advantage and there's a 300 pound guy that's across from me that is beating me across the ball, then I completely screwed up my responsibility, messed up the assignment and I'm a hindrance to the play. Um, So that's, yeah, I mean, it it is a game of fraction of seconds when it comes down to it or fraction of inches when it comes down to the ball placement. Yeah. Um, I mean, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks' mentality are—it's—it's it's incredible. They're—they're they're fortresses in in the mind for the most part, and you know, I think that's kind of what makes makes or breaks a good to great to elite player in the league is just how mentally strong are you? How quick can you make decisions? How quick can you analyze everything that's going on from the time you break the huddle to the time the ball snap? Because by the time the ball snapped, you should know exactly what's going to happen and how to run a route or how to block or how to throw the you know throw the ball or, or, or whatever the case is. Um, and if you don't know, then you're behind the eight ball and sure. you're probably going to lose the play. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, what kind of difference did it make this year? I know it seemed like the team got injury bug. I mean, obviously you got injured. Joe right. Burrow got injured. But what kind of difference did Joe Burrow make making it? Uh, when he got into the huddle compared to the other the other huddles that you got into in your years in the NFL. Yeah, he just has a certain like moxie to him. Really? It is it's really it's it's interesting. He's a he's a I I've gotten to spend a lot of time with him now because we rehabbed together, which was awesome. Um and he's a he's a very introverted person. He keeps to himself. Um and when he talks because of that, obviously it commands the attention of the room. And it also holds true in the huddle though. You know, he's very He's very even keel majority of the game. And then when he wants to flip it on in terms of like, okay, we need to get our, you know, we need to get our crap together right now. It's like, all right, nice. Like it lights a fire under you. Mm. But I think that even keel in his, in his voice and his tone and his eyes and his mannerisms, it's like, you never feel like you're, even if you're down big, you never feel like, oh man, we're out of this game. Cause it's just, he's calm. And you kind of want that, you know, like if, if you're having a moment of, oh man, like I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, panicking for certain things. Yeah. And then you come into the huddle after a play and it's just like, hey, we're good. Like, this is the next play. Do this, do this. And you're like, oh, wow, nice. You're right. That was, that was one bad play. Put that behind me. Let's go on to the next play and let's move forward and let's get this thing going. So he, he talk about someone who's mentally tough and strong and knows every aspect of the game and, and is making adjustments now and you know, we're having OTAs in mini camp. We just finished up, but, um, you know, um, we're getting to have these back and forth conversations, which we didn't really get to have last year really because of COVID yeah. as well. You know, and meetings were completely different and, and practices were different and now having this one-on-one interaction or, you know, him being able to say, Hey, I know this is the play and this is, you know, the general concept, but you and you run it this way. And, it'll just change the entire dynamic of the play. And the coach is like, if that's the way you want to run it, run it that way. And we'll run it in practice. And it looks, I mean, it just looks like a thing of beauty. And we're like, man, Joe, you're second year. You're already changing the playbook, man. This is, this is great. This is what you want to see in your quarterback. So yeah, he's, he, he has a different, like just a different presence about him that I really hadn't seen in any like level of my playing, playing football. That's awesome. You know, it's been a while since the Bengals had a great championship run. And I was wondering, like, the culture of of a team, especially when they've had a an extended stretch of non-elite playoff play. Ultimately, though, they all have different players in it. So each year is a new year, and the mindset 
of a champion can be set at any particular time. Right. What are some of the things that the guys are doing right now? Because you guys had a great draft, a couple of great drafts in a row. Mm-hmm. You have a lot more pieces than you've ever had, at least recently. Yeah. You should be feeling pretty good. The Bengals should be feeling pretty good going into the year. But how much does the past impact the present and the future sometimes? Or what is, what's the team doing to forget yesterday and focus on the now? Because this could be a really good year for y'all. Yeah, you know, uh, to be honest, I think, um, you know, this year, as opposed to other years, I'm I'm like the fifth or sixth oldest person on the team. So the the older, or the, the previous years aren't really a culture in the locker room at this particular time. I think, I would say a few years ago, maybe even like two, three years ago when we had still 15 20 of the 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 players from my rookie year when we had a really good year and ended up losing to pittsburgh in the first round i think some of that might have still crept in a little bit like man you know we still have this person and this person who you know uh, it's like a it's a culture thing in the locker room where we're like "Ah, do we trust this person still or certain things like that that definitely comes in into play and and anyone who says it doesn't is you know either they're not really paying attention and oblivious to the factor. Um, yeah, they're just, they're probably just not paying attention. Yeah. They're just denying it. And, and to the media, obviously you kind of, you know, to an extent want to say that, but you know, as a player, you want to trust every single person in the locker room. You want to look at their worth work ethic and say, okay, nice. Like this is a person who's getting in early, staying out late. They know every, all of their assignments. They, they're asking the right questions or they're answering the right questions that are being asked to them. And if you see someone who on the team, you're, you're like, man, you're, you're, you still don't know the answer. You've been here for four years. You should know that. That's day one from your rookie year. Yeah. Um, then obviously, you're, you're, one, you want to help that person out and be like, hey, you know, get your crap together. But two, you're like, if the coach is still trusting you and you're still on the field and you make that mistake, we don't trust you as a, as a, as a teammate. I, can't, I don't trust you yeah. to be to my right or left. Um, but I think this year with the people that we have, the camaraderie that we have, the the fight that we have, there's a back and forth between the offense and defense that I hadn't seen in my in my times of being here because usually, you know, the offense is separate, they have their own meetings, whatever, defense same, special teams come together a little bit, but the the back and forth banter of, you know, I'm talking to the defensive end saying, "Hey, don't do that. It's not going to work." He's telling me certain things and we're just feeding off each other, making each other better, and that didn't happen. You know, that nice. that would never happen two years ago where I would just, I'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to try to figure this out on my own. Or, you know, he's saying the same thing. Um, but that goes each position. Each position is trying to make each person right, left and across the ball better because we know if we do that, then we're going to be a better team. So I don't know. We have, we have some guys, some class guys, like you said, we've got two really good draft classes. Um, within the past two years we had a really good free agency in my mind mm-hmm. um, with some guys who are you know we have a new offensive tackle Riley Reef, who is commanding the offensive line which we need we need yeah. a, we need a strong presence from an older guy who's like he's not taking any nonsense from anyone anytime someone acts up on either side of the ball he's he's immediately jumping and I'm like yeah that's what we need we need someone to to put their foot down if we mess up a play Coaches aren't telling us to to run it back. We're telling ourselves, no, we want to run that back real quick because we need to make sure that we're all on the same page yeah. with this because 
this is practice. This is OTAs. We're not even in pads. We're not going against anybody right now. Like we need to make sure we are a hundred percent clear on what we're going to do before we, you know, take that next step of, of, you know, if we want to be great, that's what we need to do. So it's a, it's a very, there's a huge shift that happened, um, a little bit last year and then a lot this year with the mentality and the culture in, in our locker room. That's exciting. It's got to be exciting. Oh, it's. A, I mean, I go out on the field every day, and I'm having the biggest smile on my face. I'm yeah. like, man, this is these are the these are this is my family right now, and we're we're acting like yeah. like it. So, yeah, that's awesome. So I can see. When you tell these stories, you got a little bit of kid in you. Like you just have you've taken you've taken your game to the professional level, but you realize it's a business. But if you don't play it like a kid. It can start to wear you down. And where in your adolescence did obviously your size doesn't hurt being six six and, and you know and I saw your numbers you're not slow either so you got you got the total package but what when did you feel like that first light bulb in your head that hey I can do something with this and who were the major impetuses that got you into that place that you could be recognized to be picked up by Auburn University? Well, I think. I was I was very fortunate to to go to a really good high school and um, I had two really big time recruited like heavily recruited offensive linemen with me um, Austin Shepard who ended up going to Alabama and Jawan James who um, ended up going to Tennessee and Jawan's still playing now he got picked up by the Ravens but those two um, I mean I was I was younger than them I was a year younger but they would they would treat me like a little brother kind of you know so they would they'd kind of pick on me a little bit hey so-and-so's in the crowd today what are you gonna do like hey so and they would have this big smile and i'm like wait what who's here wait i didn't know this was happening today um and yeah i think you know just kind of having i had a really good group of friends as well growing up um and there's four of them and we still talk every single day or in group messages instagram group messages i mean we talk all the time one of them currently lives with me and um so the the two tackles and those four friends i mean they they helped me immensely and and obviously my mom and dad um instilled everything in me you know a a level of respect for people uh, hard work my parents are two of the hardest working people that i'll ever meet in my entire life um especially having to deal with me growing up i was a i was a talker i was all over the place um but you know that support system that i had and i held on to they really just elevated me and the confidence i had in myself they're like you know oh cj what are you gonna do you're gonna i mean we had rivals it seemed like every week was a rival game and mm-hmm. like oh we gotta we gotta i mean that quarterback's talking crap over there like what are you gonna do what, are you gonna have a big game or what you're gonna you know so um i think i think having that i think most of the people that i see that are really successful have that core group of people that they can lean on no matter what they can tell good things to they can they can tell bad things to them and you know if the bad things are going to raise them up hey no look that that's a one-time thing you know if it happens again then we're going to actually have a talk right now and if you tell them good things you can tell that they're genuinely happy there you can tell that you can tell you have a friend if you tell them a good thing and it's not like a it's not a uh, it's not a jealousy thing that they're getting back. It's like, nice, perfect. You did that, but you can do more. Mm-hmm. I know you can do more. 
And I think that's kind of what helped me get into Auburn and, and you know, have the confidence to, to go about the rest of my, my high school career was because I was like, man, I got these guys with me. I know I can trust these guys. I, I, I have this confidence in myself. I can do the sky's the limit right now. I can, we need to win state every year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, that definitely, that definitely helped me, I think, become the person I am today too with the confidence in myself because I still can lean on those mm-hmm. guys. Did you happen to play in the game in which the 109-yard return against Alabama? I did. Now, I have to tell you that we're on one one boat the same, which is my least favorite team is Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that moment like? Because I was at the airport flying to West Palm to get ready for LPGAQ school for a girl that I taught at, played at Vanderbilt. And I'm like... 55 yard field goal this guy's not gonna why are they even trying to kick this field goal and i'm like yeah this i I have to watch it and it goes up in the air and i see this guy catch it right at the goal line and he starts running i'm like wouldn't that be great if he scored what was that energy like (laughs) for like 12 seconds because it was it was probably the most insane finish in college football if it wasn't that it's the cal stanford game but i still think this one was big yeah. because the the gravity of the game was so much bigger well i mean uh, yeah <laughs> that was one of the crazy that was the craziest game I've, I've ever been a part of in my life and it happened it couldn't have happened to a better team that we were going against <laughs> either i mean that that definitely helped and, and like you said the implications of it were, were huge um but i was so i'm, I'm friends with uh with the kicker that we have and he's like oh this kid does have the leg to hit this like i i know him like we go to kicking camp together and i'm like don't tell me that are you kidding me like that's not what i want to hear right now um and yeah kick goes up we see chris catch it and hit the sideline and i start running down the sideline but i see some stuff going on as i'm like all eyes are on him and i see like other bodies hitting the floor behind me i'm like is there a flag? Please tell me there's not a flag. <laughs> and as I'm running and looking like no flag, oh my gosh, we did not just win this. And I had uh, actually pinched my shoulder, like a muscle in my shoulder. So I've, I'm running and my left arm isn't moving at all. And so I'm like, oh no, I jump on the dog pile and I'm like, wait, this does not feel good. Like <laughs> This is insane. And right when I, it's actually funny, right when I roll off the dog pile, I see Austin Shepard, who was my offensive tackle, um, when I was in high school, I give him a hug and I say, Hey, like we, we talk for a second and I look up and it's just a sea of people. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting back to the locker room anytime soon. Like this is going to take 20, 25 minutes to get back in there. So this is, this is going to be problematic, but it was, I mean, it was just absolute scenes on the field. It was, it was something that. Um, you can only dream of as a kid, yeah. right? Like, oh man, last second, oh hail Mary! Nope, it's a it's a field goal that he that we return 109 yards to beat Alabama, the you know our arch rivals in the SEC, the two, when you know one of the bigger rivalries in college football to go to the SEC championship, eventually go to the national championship, and I'm just like, man, this couldn't get any better. I don't <laughs> think anything could have gotten better in that moment. That was so great. But the thing was so funny. I have to I have to admit that I watched your first highlight that I watched was you scoring a touchdown against Mississippi State on the last play, and that's where I went to school. So I was like, well, that didn't have to be the first highlight. Um, <laughs> listen, okay, Mississippi. Can we talk about the cowbells there? I mean, what's yeah, going what on? What is that? No, when I went to school there, that was we couldn't take them in. Really? Uh-uh. Uh, so so I was there from '92 to '97. So that's at the Jackie Sherrill era. So I get there, you hear like four or five. Right, but you couldn't make the students. I mean, every time we walked in, we were checked. 
No cowbells. That's crazy. The cowbells got to be big. Dak Prescott in the Dak Prescott years, right? Because the year that he before we were number one for like six straight weeks, they had him at the games. I'm like, man, when did we start allowing the cowbells to be at the at the games? That was never allowed. And then when we we were number one and we beat Texas A&M, then we beat Auburn, and then mm-hmm. we beat. I mean, we just went. We uh, went on a run. LA, yeah, went on a run. LSU actually, LSU was the first game. We 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 beat LSU once every time the Saturn seventh ring and <laughs> Jupiter line up. I mean, we I think we've beaten them three times in the last thirty eight years. And then then we beat Texas A and M, and then we beat Auburn. And I'm like, whoa, we're good, right? <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, it's so loud on TV. I can't imagine how loud it is on the field. And you probably. And a plate in the in a game against Mississippi State that was like that. Yeah, well, it's it's. I'll say this: the the stands, like the the students in and of themselves, are very very loud. So even without the cowbells, it's like, oh my gosh, this is. I mean, you guys are louder without the cowbells than if you're not yelling with the cowbells. If you have the just the cowbells, it's. I don't. I don't I'm not entirely sure if the cicadas were huge in Nashville, but in Cincinnati. Every I got woken up at like five o'clock just because I would hear the cicadas and it sound. I'm like, oh my gosh, it sounds like I'm in Mississippi State right now. <laughs> this is so frustrating to me. And then yeah, you add the, the the fans just screaming with the cowbells and you're just like, oh my gosh, like when is this gonna stop? Like please, we either gotta jump out on them super early just so that we can try to get them to to calm down or yeah. like hope that they their arm just wears out because it's a really really close game. So yeah, it was. That's probably one of the more, I mean, annoying for me because I'm 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 not used to it and yeah, I was playing against it. But I, I would imagine, I mean, the, the players there had to love it, kind of like because oh, I've been to one game. I went to you know, I guess the year that Mississippi State was great was his Dax junior year because he came back his senior year, and I took my boys to go see their first college football game, oh, nice. and we weren't as good. We lost two games when Dak got injured, right. so we didn't have a chance to really do anything. And we played, I can't remember who we played, but we beat them pretty good. And I'm like, it sounded like 65,000 nail guns going off. Bang, 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 bang. And I'm just like, this could get some Advil. Like, I'm like, I'm like, man, I don't know how they're doing this right now. I need Advil. I, I can't imagine how they're feeling in the stands. I'm sure they are. They probably packed Advil just ready, like halftime. All right, nice. Whew, migraine's gone. Let's keep going. So outside of, obviously, all, I mean, every SEC school's got, massive traditions right you know and, I, and i've loved auburn bo jackson is one of my all-time favorite players and to get a chance to meet him at the vinny a golf tournament here that was held by vince gill was one of the coolest moments of my life and i said i love auburn um but what, where's the coolest non-auburn atmosphere that you got a chance to be involved in when you were playing college football oh that's a good question um i really uh, it's going to be bad, probably, but I actually really do enjoy playing in Alabama. Is that right? I, I love it. I love playing in Denny, in Brian Denny. It's the the just sheer hatred that they have for us and just how much they yell and, and, and scream, I, I think, is incredible. I would say, I mean, I'd, I'd want to say LSU, but when we played there, it wasn't close. So they weren't really, yeah. they weren't really you know, as, as passionate as they probably would have been if it was a lot closer of a game and mm-hmm. didn't matter the score yeah when we played alabama did not matter we i mean my my sophomore year 
it was the worst probably it was one of the worst years of playing football that i had experienced because we were just you know weren't a connected team you know there's a bunch of disconnect with other areas and mm-hmm. we go there and it's like 49 to nothing at halftime and we're just still hearing it like we're, <laughs> we're going to the locker room we come back out for the third quarter and i'm like you guys are still here <laughs> go home leave us alone um and so we heard it for all four quarters and it doesn't matter i mean you're gonna hear it regardless so I love I love that. I mean, I kind of feed off of yeah. that. It's kind of it's fun yeah. for me to 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 hear that. So, um, I mean, outside of that, I'd say Texas A and M is actually pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's a pretty cool place. It's to it's again. really cool. Um, you know, we played the we played them when Johnny football was there, and uh, he had gotten hurt, and he came back um, in the fourth quarter and started like moving the ball immediately and we're just like oh my gosh i'm look, i'm listening to this crowd go and i'm like oh this is awesome i'm getting i got chills i was like i'm getting chills right now at defense you guys better step it up but this is this is kind of a cool ex- uh, environment to be a part of so that's so cool what's the like the difference because it, there's there's such passion in college football right NFL football is a total different fandom right. than college. It is. Which one do you like better and why? Um, hmm. Well, I'm going to say I love Cincinnati's fans, so I'm going to throw that out there first. <laughs> but yeah. I think it depends, actually. I think it depends on where you play. You know, you play in Minnesota, you get that college vibe. Is that right? A hundred percent. You know, the, they're, they're Minnesota strong there, for sure. Um, huh. But I think... You know, you're right. The college, you have such strong ties to that college because you're there for four years or you graduate and you're coming back, you're taking your kids. Um, it's kind of like a, you know, it, there's there's family ties essentially to, yeah. to, to Auburn for me, especially my dad ended up going back and getting his master's when I was in school. So now we're Auburn through and through. But you go to a place, you know, say you play in Atlanta. Well, Atlanta is a melting pot to so many different people from so many different cities that it's yeah. like, oh, nice, we're going to, to watch the Falcons play. But, you know, we don't really have too many ties to the Falcons. We're just going to cheer for a good game. And, you know, that's that kind of holds true for for other places as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's you don't hear the the sheer just almost hatred towards another yeah. team when you play um you know a a new york or a san fran you 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 have those those fans for sure that are right behind the bench who you're like oh Uh yeah this guy (laughs) i'm gonna hear it from this guy for four quarters but it's not the entire stadium you know just like looking down on you know aiming at me if i if i do something like oh cj it's just you'll hear one or two fans so i think that's the main difference and i think that the college experience and the college fandom and the college you know, atmosphere, you know, makes it that much more appealing to, to a player and to play in. Yeah. So we're coming off of an Achilles injury yes. and you've rehabbed it and you're ready to, ready to roll. What are, what are some of the things that you learned through rehab about yourself that's got you ready to take on 2021 football season? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'll toot my own horn with this one. Uh, I really did realize one that I have great friends. Um, because my friends were checking on me all the time. Uh, they were more worried about my injury than I was for sure. And same, I mean, that goes with my parents. My parents are great. Um, and, and immediately like, Hey, do you want us to come to Cincinnati when you get back home? Like, what do you need? We got you. And actually my friend Mac was, was at the house, um, 
at my house waiting for me. And he was like, I'm just going to wait up all night. I'm like, dude, I'm getting back at like 4 a.m. Like, go to sleep. I'll be fine. And um, I, I walk in. He's on the couch, just passed out. I make a sound. And he's like, oh, what's, you good? You need anything? I'm like, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm going to go to sleep. Um, so, so I know that I have a very strong support system with that still. I mean, my four high school friends were keeping in touch every day still. Mm-hmm. And, and so I knew that. But I, mentally... It was uh, it was something I wasn't prepared for because one, I was like, man, I'm, I'm bummed. Like I'm super upset that I I know I know I was gonna have a really good year, or that I would have had a really good year, mm-hmm. obviously, and that Joe and I were gonna connect. But yeah, it, I had like a few hours of like, oh man, this kind of sucks because I'm not gonna play for the rest of the year. But after that, I was just I was completely fine. Mm-hmm. Like after the surgery, I was fine. Like mentally, there was no. I didn't have a bad day of rehab because I was like, well, I, I know for a fact I'm not going to be able to play the, end of the the rest of this season. I know it's going to take, they say it's going to take what, six to however many months. Like I'm, I can kill that. That's not going to be a problem. Yeah. And if rehab is the only thing that I have to do, I'm going to make sure that every day I'm going to absolutely wake up just ready to attack this rehab. Cause I know that I, I have to come back next year and do way better than I was going to like then I had expected of myself in 2020 because I wasn't able to play um so yeah I I don't know like (laughs) talking to my trainers and stuff even they're like dude you 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 can take a few days off like we're we're way ahead of schedule and he hated my trainer hated when I said I was like I told people yeah I'm ahead of schedule he's like don't tell people that like we're gonna take a few days off we're gonna rest you I'm like no why just just keep this going like I feel great nothing is there's no hindrance I feel no pain nothing's you're not doing anything wrong like let's just keep this going and I think even seeing Joe Joey B in there mm-hmm. rehabbing a, the, a very like you know, tough knee surgery that he had I'm like I'm I'm gonna have to help him out because his injury to me was worse than mine and yeah. I'm like I'll be in there every day and, yeah. and I'm gonna attack this and I'm I don't know I was it was my first knock on wood real quick it was yeah. my first surgery that I've had and hopefully only surgery and I, I was very surprised with how well I took it and how you know some people kind of fall into a little state of you know maybe a little depression or like man I just you know having all this anxiety and stuff and even like day one going back on the field I was like I feel great. The doctor said I'm 100%. I know for a fact I'm 100%. There's not going to be any you know, trepidation in my mind that I can't run and do everything that I'm supposed to be able to do. Man, that's so huge. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's, the, that's, the, that's one of the biggest challenges. I remember I did a podcast with Eddie George, and Eddie was talking about when you're in the NFL, you're going to do everything you can to stay in the lineup because if you come out, that person right behind you, he's in the NFL too. Mm-hmm. And I have to stay out there. I got to keep playing. I got to keep working hard. But he later says, I feel like maybe I cost myself two to two and a half years of productive football playing through my turf toe injuries. And he just, and of course, that was the culture that the Titans had. You know, McNair and Eddie George and Wycheck and a lot of the defensive stars. Man, it was almost a badge of courage to go out there and your arm's falling off your shoulder. You know, like we're nothing's going to stop us. Right. I mean, Steve McNair played with a like a crushed sternum and a dislocated <laughs> shoulder and ran in for a touchdown with seven seconds left against the Ravens, and like he could barely breathe when he was laying on the ground. 
And like they celebrated that. Yeah. And it's a different, it's obviously the league's changing a little bit with the concussion situation. But at the end of the day, the mentality that you have to have is in that re- that you just discussed is essentially you have to have that if you're going to be at the top of anything. Right. Yeah. And I think it's funny you're talking about the old the old school guys that, you know, my, my coach, uh, my first four years, his name's Jonathan Hayes. He played for, I want to say like 12, 14 years. And, um, he was telling me certain things He's like yeah you know i ended up having you know a little stress fracture and something and we ended up kind of just taping it up for the rest of the game because it was late in the fourth quarter and i was like there's no way i'm getting out of this game right now and i'll figure it out after this game and i'm like you're you're you guys are crazy i love it like i love that mentality you guys have it's it's a lot like yeah if i, if I fracture something if i see my leg dangling i'm probably coming off the field coach but don't tape that up but um I think, you know, even having that certain mentality with, with an injury now, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I would rather my coach at this day and age say, hey, just, hey, take it easy, than me. You know, I, I see there, there, there are so many softer players, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that's another cultural thing that's changed in our, in our locker room that I saw, you know, three, four years ago from certain guys where I'm like, you have what? You, you sprained your wrist and you're not going to practice no come on dude just tape it go back out there you're fine you know so certain things like that i'm like mentally i can tell that you're not you're not strong physically you're the one of the more gifted people like there's so many physically gifted people that just mentally they're just like eh they're they're just not Not in it yeah they're not in it and they are you know i think treating it more like a business than than a game that you've played your entire life growing up that you love to play i love playing football i love going out there with with the guys and obviously practice the day-to-day the monotony of it you don't want to make it monotonous so you have to have you know you find ways to make it fun every day you bring some energy and all of a sudden other people are feeding off of it and then it's it's not monotonous at that point it's you guys having fun like you were when you're seven eight years old throwing throwing the pigskin around with your dad in the backyard so um yeah I, i think that mentality um has definitely veered we've veered away from that in our culture but in in cincinnati's locker room at least but um that's something that i think kind of you just you can't have you can't have if you're going to be a great player in anything a great anything you can't businessman you can't be you can't have that soft mentality i'm not going to get up to work today because Mm -hmm. i threw up i don't feel well no you still got to go you still got to do your job that's right i was listening to an interesting interview uh yesterday with somebody that played basketball with Kobe Bryant. And he was asked, you know, Kobe used to get really ridiculed for, for not passing the ball. Right. Yeah. And he's like, well, this is easy for me to answer. You see, if I see I'm, – I'm at practice two hours early, and I stay after practice three hours late, and I see who shows up seven minutes before practice starts and leaves the minute practice is over, I'm not passing – that guy the ball right because he hasn't put the work in to deserve a pass from a guy who's working five times harder than he is right i'll take my chances for this team than to pass the ball to somebody that's not prepared 100 percent. Yeah. and i was like man now that is a that's a michael jordan-esque type answer yeah. to the and it's that weird line that the the elite players have of n- some people find them that they push too hard, but Michael Jordan said it best. I've never asked anybody to practice 
or do anything in practice that I'm not doing myself. And if you're not willing to put the work in, I'm trying to win a championship. And if you're not on the bus, I'm getting you off the bus. Right. And that can, I can just by listening to you tell me, that sounds like what's beginning to occur for the Bengals. And that's so exciting for me just getting to know you is like, wow, how cool is it to now, I guess it's probably year six for you in the league or seven, seven yeah. coming up that you're going to get like, you're starting to feel like now we got something. We, we, it's get, it's more intangible. Now there's more than just talent, right? There's a glue, there's a network, there's a, a family vibe that everybody's holding everybody else accountable. Yeah. And I'll say this, you know, we, for, for these OTAs, we, we would go out at 1230 is when we started and we started, um, special teams at, or no, sorry. We started our walkthrough at 1230 and, you know, day one, um, day one was a little interesting because, um, we had a bunch of zoom stuff and, and so we didn't really have to be there until 1230 and 1230 mm-hmm. is when it started. And so I'm, I, we're, I'm pulling up. I have, you know, we get, I get a nice little front spot cause I'm an old guy now and I'm like, God, <laughs> this is perfect. And I'm looking, I'm like, wow, there's a lot more cars here than they usually are. And I'm early. I'm like, there's a lot of cars here. I walk in, every rookie's there, every second year player's there, every older guy is there. And I'm like, okay, nice. This is this is nice. I get out to, I I always go out thirty minutes early because and I went out a little bit earlier because of my Achilles so I yeah. could warm it up. And I'm ready for practice and it's eleven fifty five and I'm like, all right, nice, I'm I'm ready to go out. And I see Riley. This is another reason why I have so much respect for for him because he's he's I think he's thirty one, thirty two. And he's uh, the command that he has. This is day one. And we're walking out there. And the offensive linemen see him walk out, and they immediately jump up. All right, hurry up. We're hurrying up. And every single one of them is out at 12. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. All right, this is this is kind of unusual. I think the entire team was out at 1210, 20 minutes before we had to be out there, talking to the coaches, going over things, going over assignments, going over footwork, uh, you know, just getting their bodies ready. I'm like, well, all right. Well, this is day one, though, right? So let's let's see how this goes at the end. The last day, we're in the stadium, so we don't have to go anywhere. It's literally 20, 20 steps, and you're you're in 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 the stadium. Same thing. I think it was a little early because we were kind of hyped because it was we we're like, oh, it's mini camp, like let's go. And the very last day, twelve oh five, everyone was out of the locker room, wow. just ready, like just amped up, talking to each other, warming up. I'm like, this. I mean, again, a few years ago. Psh- 1229 people still walking out there and mm-hmm. those are the guys where you're in your head you're like mm-hmm. i know i know you're not you're you're gonna get out here right now you're gonna be the first one gone you might not even shower after we're done you might just get in your car immediately and go home and and those are the kind of guys you don't want to be around and yeah. this team i'm like man i love seeing the commitment that we have to get better with each other so that we don't have a year that we ha- that we've had in the past yeah well, you're the first NFL player that I've had a chance to interview since COVID hit. When it was going on at the very beginning, and obviously there were some, some delays and what have you, did you feel at the time that you wanted to play, or did you feel like with the information that you had, you didn't want to play? I still wanted to play. Yeah. I, 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 which, how would you feel like the team was? What do you think it was? 50-50, 60-40? I'll say this. I think any any of the the – the conversations that we had as a whole with the league, it wasn't, it wasn't about um, whether or not we wanted to play. It was about how we were going to go about the travel, the day to day, the, Hey, can we go out to eat with our family? Like what happens with our family type things? We all wanted to get on the field and play. 
Um, we also wanted to know about meetings and how we were going to go about that because that, I mean, now we, we kind of understand Zoom meetings are very fluid and, and we kind of, everyone's had to do it. Everyone's kind of, you know, adjusted and figured out how to do it in a productive way. But we want to know about the rookies. How are we going to, you know, kind of integrate them? We had a rookie quarterback and you know, like, well, this man, can we, can we do stuff on the field beforehand? Like you guys are limiting everything that we're doing. How, how are we going to be able to build this chemistry with a rookie quarterback? Um, as opposed to a rookie running back where it's like, well, you give him the ball, he can kind of, he can figure something out on his own. Yeah. Um, but I, I was excited just to get out of the house and, and, and go do something. I'm like, I, I want to go play. And, and, you know, all these gyms are closed, which is super tough. I can't really, you know, I'm, frantically trying to buy things online i'm like well this is back ordered for two years now like i can't, I can't <laughs> get anything right. anymore um but I, I think we were all pretty excited to to be able to go out and, and bring about some sense of normalcy to the world where i mean nothing was going on and, and we're like well if if we're the only sport on great for us and we got to make sure we're ready so like what can we do nflpa to to ensure that that happens mm -hmm. interesting you know, uh, and last question I want to have on, uh, like, the athletic year is, like, recently LeBron became very critical of the NBA for how quickly they came back after, like, the, they extended the COVID situation. And he's, he's like, good. Look at all these great players injured and out. You know, it's the greed that y'all are, are putting out there that has cost us Kyrie and Harden and myself and AD – we're falling apart at the seams for what? Is this what you wanted? All of your best players injured in the NBA playoffs? It's interesting. Like this, the best players are starting to get more and more of a voice in a, in the in the news and how they can impact the the league. Do you feel like that's a good thing that the the athletes are getting involved and demanding a different level of responsibility? from the league and the ownerships or do you feel like that's not their role because i thought that was you know lebron's starting to get pretty polarizing i love lebron but like there he's starting to almost split it right down the middle between the lovers and the haters right uh what, what's your feeling on that yeah it's i think it's very mixed i think um you know i think having a voice is a good thing obviously in any aspect i'm like wow i, I can tweet something out and people are care about it like you know that's that's interesting uh, my friend mac over here if he tweets something i don't know if there there's too many eyes that are going to be on the, the tweet no offense but um yeah i don't know I, I think there's a time and place for certain things right like I, I don't think that um calling out the nba on twitter or on social media is in the best interest of not only just the sport itself, but like you as a, as a person and who am I to say, tell LeBron what to and what not to do, oh, sure. but something like that. It's like, you know, you can, we have a, we have a PA for that. We have, you know, they, I'm sure they have their same thing. You know, they have, they have a panel of players that they can come together and say, Hey, next year, let's do this. Or in, in spite of what's going on, like we need to be able to do this. And that's why you have LeBron can say anything and someone's going to listen. Yeah. You don't have to tweet it out for the world to see or say it's for the world to be able to hear mm -hmm. for you, your points to be made. And, and heck, he could go up to Adam Silver and say something and someone's going to know and they're going to tweet it out, right? Like they can, they can tweet it out for you. So that it's like, okay, nice. Like he's, he's handling his business in silence and, and he has a problem and a lot of 
players are, are thinking the same thing he's thinking. Um, and they're making it known, but not like broadcasting it, you know, cause kind of in certain situations, it's like, okay, well, are you saying this now because your team's out or, you know, would you still say this if you were playing for the championship right now? Or would mm-hmm. you still like, would you wait, you know? So that's like you said, it's polarizing because it's like, okay, well, we were like if certain people who now are on the opposite side of you know loving or hating lebron it's like okay you know i respect you as an athlete but like you're you're out of the playoffs you're not competing for you're not competing for a chance to win is that why are you just whining or what like what what's the deal and that's what's going to go off in their mind yeah now someone of his level he's he's like i don't care whatever but you know when i think about it as an athlete i'm like well no you kind of want you want that backing still. You want sure. you want the person who's on the opposite side of of liking you now to to still agree with what you're saying, not think, oh man, he's whining because he's out of the playoffs and this person's hurt. Like whatever, you got to suck it up type thing. Mm-hmm. No, you want to do it in such a way that it's like, well, the the person who might not have liked him is like, oh wow, I I agree with him. Like I I want to see him still play, even though you know I'm not his biggest fan. So yeah. I think there's a way to go about it where you're not putting all the spotlight on you mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, the, the situation that you're trying to get out. Yeah. What's the scariest situation for you lining up against the, the, the most feared outside linebacker in the, in the league or seven iron from 158 over a tree to a back right pin with water in front, which one's got you a little bit more concerned? I'll tell you what. <laughs> Tell me, you tell me to hit a golf ball and there's some water right there. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> what's on the opposite side of the water? What's going? On? I might have to club down just to make sure I don't hit that one right there. Um, so, what's your relationship with golf? So, uh, I love the sport. I respect it a lot, and and that and tennis were the two things that I I respect for, personally. Two things sport wise that I respect more than any other sport, and I think you know it's because. One, I'm, I'm, I, f- I want to be really good at them, but I'm mm-hmm. not, and I know that it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of practice. And two, it's because it is a, it is. There's, that's not a team sport. It's just you. All eyes are on you. When I'm golfing and I'm golfing with friends, and I hit a good shot, I'm like, oh, nice, nice, all right, cool. I hit a bad shot, I'm like, well, eh, you know, it's just three of my friends right here. Yeah. When I'm seeing Bryson DeChambeau out there, and he's hacking away, kind of, and I'm like, oh, nice, I just hit that shot. But there weren't millions of people <laughs> yeah, watching me do me. this right now. <laughs> Heck, when 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 I when I'm teeing off on the first tee and someone's watching me, like making sure that we're you know our group is is going when they're supposed to go. I'm like, gosh, this guy's gonna watch me tee off. Man, I gotta <laughs> don't swing too hard. Like, don't don't shank this. It's gonna be a long day if you do. And so I I I um I love golf for that for that aspect. And you know, I started. Uh, I know. Again, I'm I'm talking about it a lot right now, but Mac um, is is a really good golfer, and and he played a lot in college, and I kind of um, you know kind of dismissed it because I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm trying to go to school, I'm trying to you know, I got I got to watch film, I got to go talk to the coach, whatever, and um, you know, I get into the league, and I'm like, well, everyone's playing golf, like, oh my gosh, you guys have you guys have custom clubs. I'm like, CJ, you're going to have to get some custom clubs, man. You're too tall to, to be in, <laughs> to be in these normal right. clubs. So uh, I ended up having a friend who 
uh, went to Georgia, actually. Um, he, he gifted me his set, and he was like, these, these are extended. You, you might need a little more, but play with these, hit with these. And so I would go out and hit with one of my teammates, and I'm like, man, this is tough. But you hit that one shot, oh, pure. It, it only like, takes one. Let's come back out tomorrow. Like, let's do this again. Let's, let's, let's go out and have fun with the boys. Um, What's well, funny, because football is a reactive sport. Right. You're reacting to the people that are guarding you. You're reacting to you knowing the play. You're reacting to the reads that you have as you're going downfield. Golf, you got to create everything. It's yeah. responsive, right. not reactive. So it's counterintuitive in some ways in which the easy, within reason, the easier you move, the faster the club travels. Right. But in football, the, with the more intention you have – the harder you're doing it. Right. And it's so counterintuitive to a football player that picks up golf because they're more apt to be like, I'm just not trying hard enough. Right. I, 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 come on, come on. And like they get the, the huddle mentality versus the golf mentality, which is ease off a little bit. It's not easy. <laughs> it's well, not easy. No, not, not, not even easy. a little bit. And, um, even, even golfing, we, we golfed yesterday and, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, my first time playing uh, with, with a teammate, he was not very good. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and uh, he was like, yeah, you know what rule number one is, right? And I, I just completely just shanked a drive. So you know what rule number one is? I was like, what's rule number one? He's like, hit it as hard as you can, man. What was that? I was like, all right, cool. All right, well, I played with him one time and I didn't play with him again. I was like, this is the worst. This was terrible. But it was that one shot that I was like, oh, maybe we can go back. But, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, just certain things, right? Like uh, talking to talking to Mac again, you know, he's like, well, you're athletic enough to be able to hit the ball. Mm. Even, even with your swing, you can make contact with the ball with the club. That's not going to be a problem. It's just not going to go anywhere near where you want to go unless you – fix certain things unless you stop swinging for the fence every single time and just relax make it smooth it's yeah. smooth and easy and having that mentality and thinking that way before every shot and then hitting it smooth hitting it pure and hitting a four iron like 200 whatever many yards and people are just like wow what the heck where did that come from i'm like yep i can do that what's up give me the driver again let me, let me try this again let me tee it up again um it's so hard to hit that four iron two thirty with that nice smooth swing, and and say, let's just do that again. Instead, the brain goes, man, imagine how far I could hit it if I really let it go. Exactly. <laughs> so listen. So you, I, I hit, I hit. You know, I, I'm we're, we're we're playing we're playing yesterday, and um, we're playing with some with uh, Matt Wallace's father uh-huh. for, for Father's Day, and um, he hits a drive and. I'm like, dude, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, this is a part. It's a part four. I can hit my four iron, and then I can. I'll. I'll be able to hit like a maybe an eight to 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 the green. And I smack the four, and I'm like, I'm just going to nice and easy go past his dad's drive. And I was like, wow, all right. So the next hole, they're like, just hit the four again because it's kind of a similar situation. It was a great hole. I'm like, perfect. And I just swing for the fences. I'm like, oh, this is this is great. And I was like, why did I do that? This was the worst idea. Why? Why is that the first thing that comes to mind every time every you hit time. a pure shot? The the, the shot before. Um, so yeah, it's it's 
Golf really, talk about mentally just, you have to be so mentally strong to play mm-hmm. golf because that's that's the one thing where, like I, I mean, like I alluded to, it's, it's, it's not a team sport, it's you. If you hit a bad shot, there's not your teammate there to help you out and like hopefully pick up the pieces for you. It is, well, now I'm in, now I'm in the bunker. What can I do from here? And you have to immediately forget about that shot because if you don't and you carry it over, you're tripling yeah. in, in, at the back nine when you're in contention to potentially win. So yep. it, that's that's something that's fascinating for me is I love that mental aspect yeah. that it's a it's a chess game with yourself in the course. Yeah. So I always get excited to get a chance to work with, with you guys because almost always you have all of the athletic ability, but you don't have the understanding of the motion so that when you get taught the biomechanics – of what has to occur to make the golf swing travel in a circle correctly, it's usually pretty eye-opening. And I usually see, like, amazing change because what golf looks like and what golf is is, like, as far apart as it can possibly be at the very beginning, right. especially given athleticism. Like, you yeah, give me that stinking thing. I'll, and you're like, whoa, what is going on here? Right. Because you know, everybody thinks we're trying to hit a straight shot. So that means that the golf club should be probably trying to travel down the straight line. But the golf swing travels in a circle. Right. The body moves in a circle. So everything is moving in a circle or a curve except the ball, which is trying to go straight. Right. No, wrap your head around that once. It's why I call it job security. It's a really hard game that makes no sense until you understand it. And then once you understand it, that's when you fall in love with it. And then the learning piece of it and the nuances that inch you closer to the shots you see on TV, that's the addiction. That's the, that's the cool stuff. Yeah. No, so I you just got to get to that, got to get to that point. Yeah. I'll I'm, I'm, take any tips you got for me because <laughs> I, I understand enough, you know, and, and hit, you know, a little bit here and there that, that kind of, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm starting to somewhat understand. Yeah. Right. And the, the somewhat understand is okay nice all right I, if i do certain things this way then i'm gonna hit a good shot i'm gonna hit a clean shot at least it's not it, it's not i'm not putting it two feet within the pin but I, i'm i'm getting it you know on the green i'm not yeah. hitting bunkers every time i'm not losing 20 balls now per round which i'm like in my mind i'm like, that's a win <laughs> like that's a win wow i'm not losing I, I, I lost five this time guys well you know there it is you know so mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is truly. It's an addict. It's an addictive sport. Oh, it really is. No doubt about it. Job security is real for me. I am safe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am safe. Yeah. Well, the my, the favorite part of the podcast, at least as it pertains to the feedback that I get from the show, is the part on perseverance. And what I mean by that is, what have you? What has happened in your life? That one thing that was a, like a sledgehammer to the forehead that you weren't quite prepared for, and you weren't quite sure that you're going to make it through. But when you did make it through it. It steeled your resolve that you know that you could pretty much handle anything. What was that one moment at any particular part of your life that was really scary that you persevered through that gave you the confidence to take on all challenges? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I, again, I've I've been I've I've been very fortunate to to not go through too too many you know crazy things in my life, but um, yeah, I, I think I would say two things really. Um, one, one was deciding to um play tight end and not quarterback i played quarterback since i was seven yeah and my parents really pushed the quarterback me playing quarterback and 
um i ended up like just like breaking down to them like guys i i'm 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 not good enough i cannot like i i know my limitations as a player and i know i'm watching tom brady right now like i i'm not that and i don't think i don't think i will be and that's fine with me but it was it was a it was a whole thing you know i i uh I broke down, ended up driving. I was like, I got to get, I, I need to leave for a little bit. Like I, I just need to drive around for an hour. And we, we had the talk for a week until I committed because I knew I wanted to go to Auburn and yeah. Auburn at that time was like, Hey, we're, you're not going to play quarterback. And I was like, cool. Um, and it was the greatest decision I think I've ever made in my entire life to this day. Mm-hmm. And without knowing how to play tight end and then even going there, I'd, did not play tight end really it wasn't a mm-hmm. true tight end position um so that transition in and of itself to to the nfl was was a, a different monster that i had to try to face um uh and so yeah i think being able to play a different position at an sec school especially a school like auburn do as well as i did i was like well well if i can do this then i surely i can i can make it in the nfl and i'll be i'll be fine and um and then another one was was uh, the death of one of one of our teammates, um, a, a player that I played with, Philip Lutzenkirchen. Um, he's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Auburn because we played against his school, Lassiter. And when we played Lassiter, I scored three touchdowns. It was my sophomore year, and I had moved to receiver because our receiver had gotten hurt the week before. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I remember him specifically because I mean he was great. In, in the state you know he, he was hurdle, he hurdled one of our DBs and I was like oh my god let's just hurdle <laughs> let's just hurdle Rob like that was insane um, and so the, the whole connection with him and his family and um, you know with recruitment he would he would, he had he had to host me because mm-hmm. coach made him and I was like remember when we beat you and I had three touchdowns against you guys and it was like 29 to 21 or 49 to 21 um, so we had like a nice we had a nice relationship off rip and great guy helped me transition from quarterback to to playing you know the the tight end position that we had at auburn mm-hmm. and uh i owe him as much as i owe anybody especially at auburn for for that transition because i was i was in quarterback mode like i was soft yeah. like i wasn't <clears throat> physically ready for that and he really helped me out a lot and and his family is the, one of the greater like nicest families that I, I i've had the chances of meeting and you know, when he passed away, I was like, man, this is tough, you know, and I had two friends who told me, um, you know, it, it happened and, and I got woken up by them and, um, we just sat and talked and again, that helped that, that support system that I'm talking about, it, yeah. it really like, it really shows and, um, being able to have them and deal with that with them and, and, and go through that with them and, um, go to the funeral and, and everything that, that came about with it. I, I had my closest friends with me the entire time helping me out and, 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 you know, having his family there too, obviously. And, and then picking me up. Um, I was like, man, if you guys are here for me, like through something like as dark as this, I know no matter what, like I, I I'm good. Like I, I I've awesome. got you guys to lean on. So that's super important right there. Yeah. Not many people have many, that many people to lean on right now. Right. That's an important thing for people to be in search of. Right. Connection. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and the ability to have somebody to 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 share life with. Yeah, you in can't. A difficult. You can't, you do, can't it do it. You can't. You can't do it by yourself. And if you try to, you're gonna you're gonna lead yourself down a road that's that's gonna be super dark for you. So yeah. it, it is. It's amazing to have people that are like mindedness 
and where they want to go and that just support and care for you as much as they do. Yeah, no question. The second half of the show is about the things that you do to recharge your batteries. We've talked about a lot of things that definitely take a lot of energy, but we got to do things to recharge. And historically speaking, they're the things that bring a lot of people of like-mindedness together to share in a moment, which is why concerts, plays, football games, baseball games, et cetera, they're so popular in, in the world right. is because it brings a lot of like-mindedness together. Right. When you were growing up, favorite band, favorite musical act, what did you listen to when you were a kid? Growing up, man, that's to, I, I, this is going to sound really bad, but growing up, I listened to a lot of Disney type things, right? Like I listened to high school musical. Oh, I listened cool. to, um, like all these Disney, like all these musicals that were coming out on Disney before I even knew what Broadway was. I didn't, wow. I didn't travel outside of really Georgia like that. And mm -hmm. I wasn't able to go to New York and, you know, culturally my parents didn't really know about that either. Yeah. So, um, yeah, being able to like hear certain people sing and act and do again, things that I'm just not, I was, I'm not good at. I was like, wow, I admire the heck out of this person for that. That's incredible. That's awesome. Um, so I really honestly listened to a, to a lot of that. And then um, I listened to Lil Wayne a lot um, nice. because I, I, I uh, was, was, uh, I went to one of, one of my receivers was from Louisiana and he was like, Oh, you got to listen to Lil Wayne. And I was like, cool. All right. Why not? Cool. Whatever. Um, and so I listened to Lil Wayne in high school musical types. Yeah. It was such a weird <laughs> dynamic in my like in my little iPod shuffle. I'm shuffling songs and people are like, what in the world are you listening to right now? Like, it's my favorite thing to listen to. Um, so yeah, those are those are the things when I was when I was younger. actually I saw that you were from Atlanta, so I'm wondering if you were like into Ludacris or Jeezy or anything like that. So it was so I did. I I mean, I, obviously I listened to I listened to like Ti and mm -hmm. Jeezy. I listened to everybody, but Lil Wayne for sure was someone who I listened to probably the most, especially at a younger age. Um, and I still, I mean, still listen to Lil Wayne a lot. But that was, I mean, I going to going to little basketball games, growing up, going to any football game, I'm. I gotta listen to Lil Wayne right now. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Favorite sports team? It doesn't make a difference. Football, or whatever. Chelsea Football Club. Chelsea Football Club. It's the third one of those. I love that. Oh my god, I'm a diehard. I am the biggest Chelsea fan that you'll probably ever meet. To be honest, um, I was actually supposed to go to the Champions League final this year in Porto, um, <sighs> but they had a North American uh, travel ban, Bam. so you yeah. had to you had to be an essential worker and. I don't know if I can figure that one out <laughs> in such a short, short notice, but um, I had the ticket. I was ready, and there was a band, and I couldn't go. So, um, but oh yeah, through and through. Favorite player right now or ever? Uh, ever, ever is Jogben Frank Lampard. Uh, I was super upset. I'm not upset, but I was I was disappointed with with the fact that it kind of didn't work out with him as a manager. Um, but currently, I mean. I'm gonna go Mason Mountain and Gola Conte. Gola Conte is the best player in the world right now to me. And and Mason Mount, I love the fact that he grew up under, you know, in Chelsea and and yeah. he's, he's doing as well as he is. It's that's that's another thing for me that I'm like, man, if you if you've grown up playing for a team your entire life and you're able to play at the highest level for their team and then playing in the Champions League and winning, I mean that that to me is that's the dream. So oh, yeah. that's awesome. That's so cool. So I was always like, because so I'm, I'm, I'm married to a Brazilian, right? Okay. So we got Ronaldinho, we got Ronaldo, we got Neymar. Yeah. You know, I, I can't watch Neymar. 
it's like and the Oscar for most oh my egregious crazy fail at a, an attempt to pretend to be hurt goes to Neymar. Yeah, Na- Neymar. <laughs> Neymar. It's I, I again. I love soccer. Uh, that's probably my honestly. It's my favorite sport to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it's tough to watch someone of his. I mean, he has, he's so talented. So talented. But then it's it's kind of like a you're trying to play the game. It, it, it's a mental thing again. Right, it's like, come on, dude. You, you, watching him grow up and w- back in the Barcelona days, I'm like, you should be better than Messi right now. To be should honest, be. you should be better than Ronaldo. It should be you at the top, and it's not because of just the antics. And and it's tough to see someone with that talent kind of play the game that way. Yeah, I'm with you on that all the way. Yeah. Favorite movie? Man, that's a tough one, actually. Uh, I love The Italian Job. Um, nice. I, I, I watched it in college all the time. Um, and I, I would go to sleep with it on. Like, that's, I was I was heavy dedicated to The love Italian that. Job. Um, but, you know, I, Pursuit of Happiness is really good. Yeah, I haven't um, that movie in a while. Yeah, I, I, I love that movie as well, but. I don't know the Italian job for me. That's like a, it's something I watched when I was a little kid. That I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Like I wanted a little mini coupe. I wanted, I wanted. I was like, man, it was that and a Mazda Miata. And I told my parents, and they're like, you're not gonna ever fit in that car. Like, don't, <laughs> you might as well just scratch that right now. But I would watch that. I would watch that movie and just be like, oh, I'm That's in awe right now. So cool. That's so cool. Yeah. It gets me like movies like when you have kids you all of a sudden don't watch a lot of movies that aren't like pixar yeah <laughs> some people ask me all the time hey man did you see this movie I'm like never heard of it never heard of it <laughs> but i mean i used to i used to watch movies all the time like i've said like i'm stuck in this time war people say what's your favorite movie i'm like well it's either the toss-up between gladiator or forrest gump oh yeah and like and then they're great movies but like how about in the last 10 years i'm like hmm planes <laughs> <laughs> see i'm trying to think when i when i think when i'm when when it's on spot and you think about a movie, i'm like oh, i don't know exactly like what movie i've even i've even watched within the past like that i can just name off off rip right now but mm-hmm. i mean it wait if we're being honest though does a musical count if it's in movie form <sighs> hamilton i have not seen it but i've been heavily interested in going when it comes here to nashville you should watch it it is one of the more just incredible <laughs> things to be able to witness. I mean, people just do that. I'm just like, what in the? I, it was two and a half hours. I, I ended up going to see it on Broadway before COVID. I mean, a few two mm-hmm. two and a half years ago, and um, it was two and a half hours of my mouth just open, just like, what in the world is going on? And people just cheering, and it, it was oh, that awesome. that was breathtaking for sure. That is so cool. I've only seen two Broadways. But I think that's something I, I probably want to see that more than than Cats and uh, oh, what's the one with the mask? I'm like, I can't believe it, I think. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. yeah those I, are th- I, think, I think Hamilton, I think, is probably in a league of its own in terms of musicals uh, and Broadway shows. I think, uh, you know, I, we watched the Newsies recently um, and the Newsies is amazing and there's so many different just great plays that you're like oh wow like staples lion king certain mm-hmm. things like that but hamilton just it's it honestly is the way everything's written and and the way the the, the actors and, and the musicians are i mean it's just it is 
truly mind-boggling how yeah. that happened. Final question. Most people, including the great leaders in the world, say we largely become a hefty percentage of the five most impact, impactful people in our lives. Who are the five people that have impacted your life the most right now that have put you in the position that you're in right now? Oh, well, obviously my parents, for sure. Um, that goes without question. Uh, my mom, when I was at a young age, um, she had me young and she figured out a way to go to college, be the first person to graduate in her family and raise me to be the person that I am today. And I don't know how she did it. She is the backbone of the family mm-hmm. as a whole, um, you know, between her brothers and sisters and everything. So definitely her. Um, and then my, my dad, um, hearing his story recently, uh, when my grandmother passed away, he ended up telling me about his life kind of, cause I didn't really know too much about it to be wow. honest. Um, and he, he ended up, you know, he kind of told me about his, his path from living in the States until he was seven to living in Nigeria until he was 19 and found his way, like, like had to find a way to have money and get money to move back to, to the States and hearing that whole thing. I'm like, dad, wow, you're crazy. Like that is a, that's a lot. Wow. So it was a lot of hard work for him and you know, things like, I mean, that's just the hard work that was that, that they, I was able to watch them, you know, growing up and, mm-hmm. and I mean, it was incredible. Um, so definitely those two people. Um, I will say I'll probably end up with my three best friends. Um, or three friends that mean the most to me, I think. And uh, the first one's Mac, who I've mentioned a few times on this. Mm-hmm. But Mac's my, I mean, he knows everything. He is my brother. I'm yeah. in his family group chat. Like, I'm probably closer to their family than I am to my mom and dad in terms of just them knowing everything about me. Yeah. Um, like, everything that happens, all the tweets. I mean, they're heavy on social media, so his youngest brother is always on twitter and all this other stuff putting stuff in the group chat and they're hyping me up always and um that is like that's that means the world to me because sure. you know my parents hearing stuff from your parents is one thing it's like oh yeah congratulations cj well thanks mom and dad but hearing it from your like your your brother and your and their family it's like oh nice like that that means a lot so yeah. definitely i mean he's 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 a rock for me um ben duran um is a huge part of, of my life um and i'll say it's because of one he's the nicest person that i i say this till the day that i die nicest person i'll ever meet nicest person that when i introduce him to my friends they're like ben's the nicest person i've ever met and i'm like yeah no, i know i know i'm i'm well aware but he's also one of the hardest working people that i i think i've had the pleasure of meeting i think you know outside of my parents off the top of my head, I don't know if I know a person who works harder than him. Um, just because, you know, he's 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 jumped from job to job to job to job trying to find something he loves, and every time he jumps from one job to the next, I'm like, well, why are you why are you leaving that job? Like, what happened? He's like, I, you know, I'm I'm working harder than everyone there. I don't think that there's anything I can that it's not going to benefit me being there. And I'm like, wow. So you're just going to like start from the bottom. And he's like, yeah, why not? I want to be with people who are going to work as hard as I am. Cause if not, like, what am I doing there? And hear, hearing him say that, I'm like, you're, yeah. yeah. I mean, I love that. I admire the heck out of that. So Ben Duran is definitely, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's someone that, that has helped. Again, that's another thing for me. I'm like, wow, that work ethic that I want to be with people who are working at least as hard as I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, I mean, that's something I admire. Um, 
And the fifth person, uh, it's going to be a toss-up here between Shannon and, and Tate. We'll give um, him 5A, 5B. All right, cool. We'll do 5A, 5B. Shannon is my best friend since I was seven. You know, I've known him for, for, for the longest time um, out of any prob- anybody in my life, uh, friend-wise. And he's someone who, he keeps me accountable. You know, I, 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 I hold myself in high regard, but, you know, I, every person slips up or does mm. something and... and Shannon's the one person every time who's like, "Hey, no, come on, dude, you got to get your crap together, man. Like, you you, you got to make sure you're doing this or doing that, or, um, hey, we're working out early right now. Come on, let's go. Like, don't don't you're reading? What are you reading? Well, you want to play video games? No, come on, let's do this real quick, and then you can do that afterwards. And that's something that's something everyone needs in their life. And it just happens to be my best friend since I was seven years old yeah. who lives with me now. So it's great to have that 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 rock and and that person that will always like make sure that you're on top of your stuff and uh tate is uh, i met in college he was a walk-on quarterback um we actually found that we were in the same magazine together in high school uh, on the same page for quarterbacks um and it was it was awesome we ended up saving it we, we have a picture of it it's 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 really something that's that's kind of like come full circle because we're i mean we're best friends now we ended up actually going on a golf trip two weeks ago to Payne's valley oh was that any, how was that it was incredible uh hard yeah <laughs> it's incredibly tough um but it was it was amazing um that whole facility is really nice oh it's it not? i mean every course out there i mean we, we hit Payne's valley we had some of the par threes buffalo ridge i mean i'll tell you what buffalo ridge is uh their their roughs were they were not a joke. I'll tell you that. We, we ended up, I was like, I know I hit the ball within 15 feet of this, and I cannot find my ball right now. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. But he uh, he's he's a, he's like I think one of the only people my age that has multiple kids, and he's he's about to have his third. And so for me, having that perspective of someone my age, and and having like the family oriented aspect of of life mm-hmm. is something that i love listening to because i mean i'm a single guy who's just i'm like all right nice i have me i have my friends and my family and those are the people that i'm working on and those are the people that i lean on and all this all, all these things and he's like oh yeah i have i have my friends and family and i have my wife and my two kids and my third that's on the way that mm-hmm. those three those those three almost four people now that is that's my world yeah those are the people that i am supporting and and i don't have i i I support my parents and and help them out but he's like when you have another life that you have to support that's something that you're gonna have to think about and you should think about right now Mm. so that when it happens you're not just like oh here we go like this is now I, i have to prepare so being able to talk to him about certain things like that and the whole dad aspect and you know have him in my ear and in my corner with that it's it actually is it's really reassuring and kind of like it levels me out of nice like i i'm right here right now and i'm on this high of like oh i'm just having fun being able to travel and all this stuff he's like all right get that out of your system definitely have as much fun as you can because when 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 life happens with like that trip to Payne's valley that was his trip for the year now he's back on the grind Mm -hmm. in, in alabama working and and supporting the family so yeah, those 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 people, those are those are my guys. Well, that leads me to my, a bonus question, which I wasn't expecting to ask. How difficult is it being an NFL player in the spotlight to meet women 
and trust that they're, you're meeting them for the right reasons versus they know you play in the NFL. They know that you are going to be more lucrative than the average Joe. How do you, what are some of the things that you have to, what are your vetting mechanisms? <laughs> because to me, I get a chance to interview famous women in here too. And I ask them that same question. Like, how do you ever get the feeling that you are actually going to trust that person that they actually love you for who you are, yeah. not what you are. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out to be honest. With you. <laughs> um, no, I think, uh, for the most part, it's, it comes down to how they, how they gel with my friends because I think my friends are very, I mean, if, if you can be friends with Mac and with Shannon and with Ben, first of all, if you can't be friends with Ben, we're not talking ever again. Like I, I, I can't have you in my life, but if, if you can, if you can have and hold conversations with Shannon, who's a super introvert, but super down to earth, Mac, who is one of the more wild of my friends mm -hmm. and, and who, who it, these people are, they're they're my best friends and they don't play sports. They are in the business world. They're in music. They're doing these different things that if if you're only looking for status and you're looking for for me to hang out with my football friends and that's all you want to do and I can tell that or I can tell you're kind of just giving these half answers to 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 my friends, then I know that you're in this for the wrong reasons. And I, I actually ended up looking up stuff cuz five to six months is is how long it takes for someone to show their true colors so you can talk to someone which i've done i've talked to someone for seven months and you know I, i've no, I noticed a shift after like six six and a half months and i was like uh, this isn't who i thought you were gonna be with with these people and and hanging out and um so it's a little bit of a process i don't i don't jump right into things anymore i kind of just kind of play it cool to, to see if i can get them to hang out with my friends or, or mm -hmm. you know, see if I can tell that there's a switch even earlier than, than those six months, but it is tough. I'll be honest. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not the easiest thing to, to realize. Cause there are people, which is crazy to me to think about. Cause I want to believe the best in people, but there are people who are just like, yeah, I'm just some kind of in this for, for the status of it. Yeah. That's, that's the, to me, I've always wondered what that would be like. Cause I, sometimes I see, that they, they end up getting married before they become big time versus how difficult it might be to get married when you've already become a household name. Yeah. So, well, CG, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your schedule to, to share your story on my, on my podcast. Best of luck to you this year on your health and your season. And let's see if the Bengals can't do something special because you guys have a, a lot of good things going. I'm excited for you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having well, me. I appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. I was thank awesome. <laughs>
Click subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a single episode.